Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS. Touchdown, Panthers. I want to say congratulations to Vic Fangio for getting named head coach of the Denver Broncos. Bill Rosinski signing off. <laughs> Toodaloo. <laughs> you missed a straw that serves the drink. <laughs> Thanks for the straw. <laughs> I'm only doing Bill Rosinski impersonations because I know Bill will never listen to our podcast. So <laughs> that's a tribute to Bill it's a there. Tribute. He's great. We As, love Bill. Uh, today we'll talk some of the many NFL coaching changes. And obviously, everyone said their remembrances of Thomas Davis. We'll, we'll yeah. touch upon that. But I want to look forward momentum into the Panthers' future and their offseason, what they're going to do at some spots there, Mike. Uh, but, yeah, between all the coaching changes, we're in the midst of the NFL playoffs, end of an era with Thomas Davis. There's been a lot going on. We thought the podcast would die when the season, That's the right. pregame, postgame podcast lives on into the offseason. No, there's plenty, you know, there's plenty to talk about. And, you know, Thomas Davis, it's, you know, that's such a difficult um, – you know, in, in our personal lives, we kind of have that end-of-life uh, scenario where, we, you know, now we're, you and I are of the age where, you know, we have to start thinking about, like, our parents. And, you know, my parents have, have both passed away, mm-hmm. so we, I've already had to deal with that. Um, but there is kind of that same – I mean, it's not the same, but there's a sports version of that, and that is when you've been with a team for a long time, and it's, you know, do you weigh the analytics versus the, the heart? And, you know, Marty Herney – I think got vilified in his first go round that maybe he um, was too emotional with certain players, you know, with Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams. Um, and of course, that was not the case with Dave Gettleman because he came in and had He's the complete and utter opposite. The, yeah, I mean, he was kind of like the Turk. Um, if you could go out the kitchen door and not through the restaurant, that'd be great. <laughs> but I played here for twelve years. I don't care. Just, yeah, just no, go. Just go out the back door, please. Thank you. We'll send your stuff to you. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Eventually, <laughs> or you can come back when everyone else is left, and then yeah, we'll, the security we'll, guard will. We'll do a three-day ground, not not FedEx. But you're right; it's different. And people, you know, get emotionally attached, and rightfully so. But who more so than Marty Herney, who drafted him right. in 2005, right. knew that he saw this safety that was probably a linebacker, and it's worked out 14 years later to be one of the unbelievable stories in franchise history. So when people talk about it, like, oh, that's a dumb decision, or they agree with, it, like, well, who? Who struggles with it more than the guy right. that drafted him and has seen this great success story of a, not only a player but a human being and a big part of our community? Well, I think you, you know there comes a time on the on the analytic side, you know, in the on non-emotional side where it's kind of like the you know I think I've heard Bill Belichick talk about this, right? It's you'd kind of rather 
let a player leave a year early than a year late. And I think that that's like kind of the thinking there. I mean, he didn't have a sack this year, right? Which I think was the first time right. since 2012 when he, um, uh, when we, he was we have a studio this. audience for this studio, show. Studio audience of one. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for coming to our show. Where are you going? <laughs> Is that the lady? That's that lady for that park bench outside the night stadium. That's right. Yeah, I think that <laughs> she's everywhere. Looks very familiar. <laughs> we got to do video instead of audio one of these we days. We should do. Get, get a couple GoPros. <laughs> We should put a GoPro on Karma. That'll be next year. So this, this was yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Karma who's locked do, outside right now. Do B-roll of <laughs> my dog running through our backyard. Yeah, we're in the uh, podcast studios, which would be kind of nice. Uh, can we? I don't know if uh, uh, Senator Burr or uh, uh, um, who's the other one, uh, Tillis, Tom could, Tillis, Tom Tillis, yeah, Tom Tillis. If we could get a. Uh, if we could get a tax exemption for uh, podcast <laughs> studios in your house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially since I can't remember your well, name. Yeah, where do we sign up for that? Yeah. We'll edit that part out. Don't you worry. <laughs> we never edit anything out. We just roll with it. We don't even go three, two, one. We just start talking. But, um, yeah, TD's one, obviously. And he, uh, before we move off of that particular position, you know, Shaq Thompson, let's be honest, was just okay this year. Mm-hmm. And he really dinged his shoulder up at the right. end to the point where he's placed on injured reserve. So who knows exactly where he'll be in this offseason. The heir apparent at that position was not Thomas right. Davis in terms of how he performed. He was less than that. And now they're going to have to come up with some linebackers in addition to, right. I'm sure we'll talk about the many other needs on this mm-hmm. roster in this offseason. Well, the defense, I think, is really going to be the key this year because the defense kind of got old in a hurry. Um, you know, Julius Peppers, you know, we'll talk about him in a minute. Um, you know, we, we as we tape this, we don't really know what his future is. I mean, certainly there are signs, I guess, in both directions, whether he's coming back or maybe not coming back. Um but you know that's an in, that's a, a that's a spot that that needs to be addressed. Now the linebacker spot with Thomas Davis, uh, that has to be addressed. And you know you have two, um, uh, you know in the secondary you have some some age too with you know Captain Munnellin, uh in that nickel spot, and he also played some corner this year. And then you know Mike Adams. So uh, I mean I I would from a football perspective, I mean I thought Eric Reed was great. I mean hopefully they can work the contracts. The, well, the, the difficulty money on that. too of him coming in with no not only no training camp or mini camp, but uh, into the regular season right. from home. Yeah. I mean, you can't right. replicate NFL no. training camp. I mean at it wasn't home. quite Brian St. Pierre like, but I mean right. it was close. Because Brian St. Pierre wanted to play one game. <laughs> he had to <laughs> no, keep showing Reed had to show up every week. <laughs> but um yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see because you know now the bar has been set. If Thomas Davis doesn't fit here, how does Julius Peppers fit here? How do you make a case for Mike Adams, Captain Munderland, as you were saying? So if this team's goal is to overall get younger and quicker, um, you know, these are the kind of decisions that are going to have to be made. Because don't you think, I mean, obviously the big question is going to be offensive line because everybody wants, and I, I think this is, when I say everybody, I mean, I think, it, you know, administration, fans, players. I mean, I, I think there is there's a recognition that the offensive line needs to protect Cam better. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just not... I don't think that's even and a Taylor question. Heineke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Taylor, Heineke. Taylor Heineke's like, I can't raise my left arm. <laughs> Help. You need, Help. To get, you need to get uh so this would be a good job description, right? Backup quarterback, uh in, in the interview. Um so uh, any questions? Yes. Uh, do I get hazard pay? <laughs> <laughs> the question to the player will be, Have you been in a car accident recently? <laughs> Have you been in twenty five car accidents in the same day recently? <laughs> But, uh, yeah, offensive line's a big need. Um, I'd be interested to see if they give Taylor Moten a, a chance at that left tackle. Mm-hmm. Daryl Williams is a free agent. Would love to see him resign mm-hmm. here. Right. Uh, but last reports were that they were pretty far apart right. contractually. And center with Ryan Clale gone. I mean, I think uh, Tyler Larson. Larson, they been, signed for two years. Yeah. So he, it seems like that's the plan kind of is that Tyler Larson. Right. Trey Turner, obviously. Right. thought Ben Roten did a nice job. Yeah. But those those tackle positions, you know, uh, Moten did a really nice job. 
But Clark kind of wore down mm-hmm. physically. It just wasn't paying off. At the, at the end, we're playing Marshall Newhouse. I mean, you can't just get a left tackle out of anywhere. And I think, you know, Matt But Co- they don't grow on trees? I don't know. Wherever Matt Khalil is, like, is Matt Khalil in witness relocation? Like, it's just like, he didn't even get, like, a sniff. Yeah. I mean, I know people weren't high on him, but it's like, I mean, even to the point where he didn't even get back on the field right. as a backup or being activated. So he still got three years left on that deal. So we'll see what happens with all that. And the other big thing is, you know, speaking of protecting Cam is, so do you change the approach? Do you go back to the Derek Anderson, let's have a veteran quarterback? I mean, I think we're all intrigued by the one-game sample of Kyle Allen. Right. I think we're probably all a little fearful of Taylor Heineke's stature that he won't hold up. Um, but is that enough? Or I think to me, you know, Nick Foles is a great example. If your aspirations Ryan. are big, Ryan. you almost kind of need two starting quarterbacks. And uh, other guys are developmental at this point. You know, can you find – That's the Redskins. Yeah, your right. season's done. Your season's done. Your season's done. And if the Eagles didn't have Nick Foles, their season right. would have been done. I was not impressed by, uh, super impressed by Teddy Bridgewater with that one-game sample right. again playing for New Orleans. I mean, obviously they traded a third-round pick, and he gave them a veteran quarterback. But you got to get the right one. Right. It might, you know, he's a free agent. He's been talked about as maybe being a guy here. But you need someone at least of the Bridgewater stature, I think, to me, to, to back up Cam, just because of the unknown, right. what, what his shoulder the, is. The, I guess one of the cases for Bridgewater, though, is the familiarity with North Turner North. and Scott Turner. Yeah. So, I mean, and again, and you and I have talked about this before. We actually talked about it, bef- you know, before we, in the in the pre Podcast uh, broadcast, um, the pregame, postgame, pre-broadcast, the pre, the pre-show. There was only a select audience, yes. two. <laughs> but a lot of times, um, and this is more, this is something I've kind of gleaned more from baseball. But I, I have a feeling football coaches are the same way. Um, a lot of times, when you become kind of labeled as a specialist as a coach, uh, sometimes you have that feeling that you can fix anybody, uh, or at least you can identify who you can fix, and you feel very confident that you can fix those guys. And I would think that that might be a situation here. The funny thing about the North Turner system, and I'm doing air quotes, everyone, is that um, should have video. Yeah, I know. Maybe next year. Is that uh, North system is whatever fits the personnel. He doesn't right. have like this is my way or the highway. Right. He'll tailor it to what he's got right. and what the other team's defense is doing in a given week. So we say things like there's a familiarity. Well, yeah, that's probably more about linguistics. It's about language right. and. Right. Knowing certain formations and terminology, but yeah. it's like it's probably less about like this is you know our style of play because it it varies a lot. Right. And I was actually I'll be honest, Mike, a little surprised how much it settled into our offense looks a lot like Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I thought it'd be like right. more diverse. And there were times at the beginning of the year, it was like, oh, wow, how are you gonna stop all these weapons? Right. How many times we use the phrase all these weapons? Yeah, I think we kind of got away from that as the season wore on. It became really like. How many different ways can we get Christian McCaffrey right. to carry the football? But you know what's interesting, and I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I kept track of um, targets and receptions, and McCaffrey I think was eighty percent plus. You know, Jarius Wright was pretty high. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, Greg Olson before he got hurt was was pretty high. Uh, the interesting one was Funches was pretty low. I mean, he was like in the fifties, either high fifties or low sixties. All you need to know about Devin Funches was healthy scratch at right, New Orleans right, at the end right, of the year. So right. that, that I mean, one, so why, I mean, yeah. that's one spot at wide receiver. But I was very impressed with Jerry's right at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed like when they needed a first down, he was it's the like guy that would a modern day Ricky Prohl. Yeah, you know that third right. down clutch right. guy. Yeah, veteran, good hands. I yep. mean, he did have that one fumble early on in the year, but I mean, that was really kind of the only blemish. Um, you know, DJ Moore, I thought, you know, obviously as a first round draft pick, the expectations were high and I thought he had a pretty good year. So, I mean, I think, good, yeah. you know, you bring Greg Olson back, 
Um, and Ian Thomas, by the way, looked. And really Ian good. Thomas looked really good. You know what's going to be interesting is you know remember that first year that Cam was here with Greg Olson and um, Jeremy Shockey. And there was, God, I forgot about that. Yeah, remember? <laughs> I know. Because so, Shockey was always hurt. But 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 when he played, he had great numbers. Like he had pretty good numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and then when you have that uh, the twelve package, you know, when you can put the right. uh, the double tight ends in there, right? Um, and both Greg and uh, Ian can do both. I mean, that just opens up a lot of because th- those guys are the guys that you know you get them the ball six, seven, eight yards down the field, and they can get thirteen. You know, and then it, and that then that kind of frees up, and that maybe frees up the running game a little bit. And you know, a lot of times people think it's the opposite, where the running game opens up the pass game, but right. a lot of times it's the reverse. But you have to have that deep threat too. Absolutely, I mean, that's the thing absolutely. That Cam physically couldn't right. do it. So well, and maybe that's, and, but, but maybe that's the role that without with not having Funchess in there, you know, you're going out and uh, you know getting a burn. I mean, Curtis Samuel, maybe kind of is that guy. Yeah, Samuel was, you know. Bird always gets hurt. Yeah. I just again, it's that thing. It's like Heineke, like they look great. I remember back going way back, like uh, we'd go to a training camp in Spartanburg, and you would have thought in August football that Rocket Ismail was the greatest player in the yeah. history oh, of, yeah. of pro yeah. sport, right? And just right. like but the training camp MVP, couldn't do anything more than be a punt return. Yeah, yeah because yeah. it's just like he couldn't take right. the hits. And yeah. I feel a little bit like Demir Bird is like he'll get hit and the right. arm breaks. Right. You know, a, <laughs> wing, a wing breaks. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just uh you really you yeah. wonder like can you count on that right right well you can't peck your way through the <laughs> through the line i mean the early bird gets the worm but <laughs> the worm is turned i don't know just, well the big I, question is i mean and i know we'll we'll cover this a lot later so this is maybe just our initial feel or even just just discuss but it, so with the number one pick is it um is it elite pass rusher is it burner wide receiver is it linebacker uh is it safety hmm or you know, is it? Or did I mention offensive line? I mean, is it like if I had to prioritize, and you, you, everything you pick on is a need, whether it be free agency or the draft? Is uh, this team's always predicated its defense on pass rush? Yeah, it makes the defensive secondary better. It makes the whole thing right. go, and it just wasn't happening right. last year. Well, I and think it, the answer is going to be you know whatever, whatever, whoever the best person at any one of those positions. Like yeah. in other words, whoever is the highest rated guy at any one of those positions. Sure, is if probably you think the, there's a ton of guys that'll be sitting in the second, third round at a right. position, like you right. can get a. Uh, edge rusher in the second round and not do right. it in the first. And there's a safety right. you were yeah. not expecting yeah. to be available at 16. Because yeah. sometimes when you draft for need, that you can get kind of pigeonholed. They won't. Yeah. And they're they're very smart yeah. about that. You'll you'll grab the best player, but you know people always think, oh, we got 16th pick. Well, you could also have the ninth pick or the 23rd pick. Right. I mean, how many drafts have we all seen where you trade up, you trade down, and and but you, it's you, all in value, right? I mean, it's yeah, you'd you'd like to be in the first, you know, first five or six. The way the season ended, you know, winning that game. Would change like seven, nine spots. Eight yeah, spots. It would have been nine and became sixteen. So seven spots. Um, I didn't. I didn't major in math, but, um, uh, you know, yeah, would it have been better to draft at nine? Probably, but there's there's still some really good talent at there in that first round. It basically, I mean, I feel like even when you go lower in the first draft, you can still get impact guys. Absolutely. I mean, you think of again Ian Thomas in the fourth round right, out of Indiana, right. and just you know we don't have to sit there and name. Oh, Tom Brady in the sixth round. You know, just there's always good players that are out there. That Captain Munnell in the seventh round pick. There you go. And he's played 10 years in the yeah. league, you know. So we'll see. There's a lot to, to be filled. And free agency, too, will be um, a thing, too. Because... Well, free agency, I think this is something that Dave Gettleman would talk about a lot, right? Like, free agency kind of sets up your draft board. Mm-hmm. You can plug some holes, right. and then you can really go after the positions yeah. that you need to go after. I was like, you know, getting back to edge rusher, like I thought Wes Horton fell off this year. Yeah. And I don't know why the defensive tackles didn't light up. Kyle Love was by far the most yeah. impactful of what you expected. Yeah. Well KK Short I felt like didn't 
really put up huge numbers. No, and you're like going, is that because the edge rushing wasn't there? Right, or right. was the edge rushing not there because the defensive tackles right. weren't doing right. that well? Because to me, when people would ask me in the preseason, which free agent signing uh, is to you the most impactful? I go, oh, Don Terry Poe. Yeah. I mean, this guy's huge. He's agile. Right. He's like a, a bigger, cheaper Star Latula like. Yeah. And he wasn't any of that. Right. I mean, it's just like he was just there. I don't remember right. more than a handful of times. I yeah, was I mean, he did have name. some play- Yeah, he's right. <laughs> but you, not as consistent as you would have liked. Mm-mm. Yeah. And Vernon Butler, getting back to the Gettleman drive, his first round pick yeah. that is. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> he's just done very little. Right. I mean, it's just, and he's been hurt a lot, yeah. and he hasn't done a lot when he's been healthy. So we'll see. Do we have time to talk about some of these coaching changes? Yeah, let's knock that out. Real the quick. Sean McVay thing, this phenomenon, the Sean, the Sean McVay, McVay phenomenon. Yeah. It's just like, you, you know, know, it's not a tree. It's like a chia pet, right? Because it's just like, it's, <laughs> it's just like spurting up out of nowhere. A, yeah. Like a weed in my driveway <laughs> that won't stop. But uh, yeah, this whole Sean McVay, the way the league is going. Phenomenal. We're not going to get into all the individual ones, but Kingsbury, the one that stands out the most, like on head scratcher with a guy who's never coached at any level in the pros. Um, but what, it's like, is the league just giving up? Like, we're just not. I mean, Vic Fangio did get hired in Denver. You've seen other guys like Anthony Lynn have success right. with the Chargers. We got a- Ron Rivera here. It's like, you can win with a defensive guy that's got an offensive coordinator. Does it have to be the head coach? That's the quarterback right. whisper. Well, it's going to be. I don't think I did this on the air, but I did this in our pre talk. I mean, this. To me, it's kind of like a lot of times the NFL has that Dory quality from Finding Nemo. It's <laughs> it's like, you know, something you find success with one thing, and all of a sudden everybody's got to do that one thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, there's a boat. Hey, there's a boat. Let's go. You know, <laughs> yeah. And and it's and this league, you know, our industry is, is a little bit like this too, Jim. I mean, there's such a emphasis now on if you can find somebody that's really young with just a little bit of experience and a taste of success. Um, there's this feeling like we we got to catch this lightning in a bottle. And I think that's kind of the, the phenomenon. I mean, it's, there's always been that phenomenon. Um, but I, I feel like now it's it's more prescient than it uh, and more prevalent. And those will be the last SAT words I use. Then, um, then <laughs> I'm actually we'll looking the these up as you speak. Yeah, I'll have the answers for you at the end of the podcast. you got dictionary.com going right now. <laughs> <laughs> now you're right. And it's the copycat league, as they've said. And I'm actually copycatting by using the phrase copycat league because I've heard it for years. And now I'm actually copying that phrase, copycat <laughs> right. league. But uh, there's more than one way to. The Department of Redundancy Department? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there's other ways of doing it. You can have a CEO, head coach, defensive minded who's right. got. Right. Like, I thought Freddie Kitchens was perfect as offensive coordinator in Cleveland. Is he a CEO, right. head coach now? Right. Where really his forte is the minutia of these exotic right. play calls. Will he lose some of right. that now as a head coach? I wonder. Well, I, can we can we add back into the lexicon the word sabbatical? Because Bruce Arians didn't retire. He took a sabbatical. Mm-hmm. True. Well, I'm not going to coach anymore. Great guy, by the way. I met him at the Touchdown yeah, Club you this had, year. Yeah, you had a good time. I interviewed him, him, introduced yeah. him for the luncheon, and uh, interviewed him for our pregame show and spent some time with him. And he seemed very content playing yeah. golf and uh, just hanging out doing CBS stuff. Um, but he, he said in the interviews I've heard since then, that was back in October, that every week that he would go to practice, he missed it a little bit more. Yeah. And what he really missed was the locker room camaraderie. Right. Yep. Just being around the yep. fellas and doing all that. And even though he's 66, I mean, I get that. I mean, people don't understand about these coaches, by and large, especially the ones who weren't players so much, like, say, outside of college. Uh, Like Ron, you know, played, obviously, in the NFL for eight years or so with the Bears, eight, nine years with the Chicago Bears, um, is that, um, you know, they don't have hobbies. Right. Like, Bruce Arians plays golf. That's it. Yeah. 
you can't play golf every day. No. I mean, you really can't. I mean, it sounds fun, but really, right. you well, can't. You and can some do guys that, don't even have that. Well, do, retire at 45 or 50 if you want to golf every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's some of these coaches, like, all they know how to do is draw, you know, watch right. game film and draw up game plans and talk with other coaches about coaching stuff. And that, that'll yeah. wear on a marriage yeah. to the point where the right. wives are probably saying, sure. you know, yeah, I think you should go work. Right. <laughs> Why don't you go outside and play? Because you're not that fun to hang out with. So, uh, no, this is a small sample size, but I, I remember talking to two different basketball coaches, college basketball coaches about this. Um, and sometimes, like, in uh, not off days, but days, if they had, like, three or four days in between games, you know, they're still watching film a lot. But you still have to have balanced that work-life thing, right? So, you know, they'd, like, maybe cut out at, like, 7 o'clock, um, have dinner with the family, uh, maybe watch film for an hour, and then, like, everybody goes to bed, like, around 10 or 11. Yeah. And then they're back up at like one o'clock in the morning watching film until like four, yep. and then they get like another two three hours of sleep, and then they you know getting up and going to the office at six or seven or whatever. It's a tough life, and people only look at the head coaches. But um, you remember Jeff Davidson? Yeah, he was the offensive coordinator under John Fox and the O line coach before that. And his son Nick played at Audrey Kell with our boys. He was the left tackle. Ended oh, yeah. up going on to play at Stanford, right. as it turned out. But uh, Nick would uh, rather uh, Jeff would show up. Sometimes in the game, yeah, get started already kicked. We'd tailgate ahead of time. Sometimes he'd be there, sometimes not. Right. He'd be coming from the stadium, right. and then he'd be headed back to the stadium right. afterwards. Yeah. And he was one of those coaches that not every night, but one or two nights a week would sleep in the office right. at the stadium right? because they have that amount of work. I mean, people say, right. like, well, TD, he should become a coach if he wants to, um, and he may or may not want to, but it's like it's 80 hours, 100 hours a week. And you don't get paid like a football player. To well, do it's that also a, you have to have that coach gene in you. It's a different skill set. Like sometimes, a lot of these guys, uh, elite athletes, this just comes naturally to them. So what comes naturally to you, it's hard to teach. Coach, yeah. So how are you going to teach it if you, you know? So that's why a lot of times you see guys that were grinders or guys that had to work really hard because mm -hmm. they had to learn the ins and outs. Yep. Things just didn't come naturally to yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. That's a great point about it, too. So it's a mindset and it's a skill set yeah. of wanting to do that, too. So, yeah, we'll see. But uh, again, That's why I don't really coach broadcasting. <laughs> <laughs> I've taught broadcast classes. I start losing like my focus halfway through and just go, eh, you guys just want you to just write a sportscast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll figure it out later. No, I, yeah. So, yeah, when I do – actually, I do teach and I enjoy it. But I, I do uh, – I try to come up with exercises because you can't lecture for like three hours. No, there's no book for what we do. No. It's more practical. No, it is practical. It's practical I mean, it, it, experience. It's, and, and I think that's what's so great about um, podcasting is for kids, you know, if you're listening, uh, kids out there, you want to become a broadcaster. You know, If we, you want to be a professional broadcaster like Mike and myself, call the 800 number at the bottom of your screen. It's what I'd had a Mike. We collect all the money ourselves personally. Right. But, but technology has opened up our business to the extent of, I mean, there is a skill set to do what we do, but you have to do it. Like you can't like it's very rare that you're born with the ability to, to do what we do. But um but now with, you know, having recorders and computers that have recording software, I mean you know, anybody technically could do a talk show or even take a like a handheld recorder, even your phone now mm -hmm. and you know, sit on the top bleacher of a stadium and, and call a game. Now you might get some weird looks if you're at a smaller venue, but I've done that before for demo tape purposes in the past. And back in the day, we we didn't have the phones obviously to record into, but just the Marantz tape recorders, yeah. color. Oh no! I used to I play. used to have the old uh, get smartphone that I'd <laughs> that I'd call a game into. But yeah, you do what you gotta do that way because you get the natural crowd noise and yeah, all that yeah, behind yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, so yeah. it sounded just like a regular yeah. broadcast. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Well, we uh, we don't have a pregame or a postgame this week. We don't. Well, actually, I do. You don't, but. 
we do, uh, according to Dave Langdon, our producer, our first one will be sometime in August. Right. So our yes. next pregame Mark post game will be then. But yep. we're, yeah, when uh, when things happen, when events break, breaking news happens, uh, within a day or two, we'll be there for you. We'll try to fix it. Uh, <laughs> with duct tape <laughs> and uh, MP3 players. MP3 players. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll certainly stick with it through at least the Super Bowl and then a busy offseason and the draft and all that coming and up. And tool belt. So you have, like yeah. an MP3 player. That's right. All the essentials, duct tape. Back in the day, razor blades razor to cut. Blades. Uh, Remember reel the to reel. pencils? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's all digital now. It's all digital now. So I guess that's it till uh, next time. We'll let you know what that is on the, the pregame, postgame podcast. Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench, everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS.